It is the Sleepers Podcast. It's Thursday, October 26th, and we just spent the last hour and 35 minutes doing business. We did our bidness because contrary to popular belief, Sleepers Media LLC is more than just a lovely duo of friends who enjoy podcasting and enjoy talking college basketball together. Now we are a business. Carter, how do you feel after the last hour and 35 minutes? Uh, You know what? I couldn't help but think and manifest the day where when that happens, we, we go to our phone and we hit up our manager and we hit up our finance people and we're like, I just wanted to let you know you ruined my Monday or you ruined whatever day it is. You ruined my Thursday because I had to spend the more the morning on the phone with support. And that's not my job. Now, what do I pay you for? Damn it. This is why you make the big bucks. So I don't have to stress about this. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not a big uh, that's not my job guy that maybe that's one of my life icks. But in general, like, I don't care if it's not my job. Like, I'll do the job. Like that's kind of that's been my mo as I try to get into content and in general I always laugh when people are just like that's not my job like okay well d- learn another job let's do some things let's make some shit shake <laughs> but we uh we really do need business help and uh, we actually somebody DM'd us I need to respond to them I'm sorry if you're listening to this person who DM'd us but some kind soul out there DM'd us and offered to like help us try to grow the business and uh, send some emails for us and. I need to respond because we've had so much great, kind generosity from people that listen to the show trying to help us scale this thing. But we're still really bad at it is the point. So sometimes it takes us 95 minutes to figure out how to connect Stripe to uh, an account that actually <laughs> pays us certain things, which the good news is we need money to do some of the things we want to do this year. And now we actually have some money. Shout out to the Discord. Shout out to the people that support this show who are now going to propel us forward to do some cool things. That's how this was always intended to work. And now it feels like it's working if we can just figure out Stripe. <laughs> yeah. And also in the midst of doing that and all the process we went through there, we also got hit with a little bit of reality that we've had some subscriptions and cancellations to the Discord. So yeah. For the folks who did do that, would love to know a reason why, because, you know, obviously we want to cater to our Discord community and members. So forever be able to speak up. Don't stay quiet. We're we're here to listen to you. So please, if it's Greg's fault, let me know it's Greg's fault. If it's my fault, let me know it's my fault. But we would really appreciate knowing. I know why one person left. It was my fault. It was 100% my fault. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Hey, your team played basketball, and you, I think, tweeted 13 times about how they're going to the Final Four in a 30-point win over Hillsdale. So that's exciting. We're going to talk about that. Uh, (laughs) What, 30? Well, how much was it? What was the final? (laughs) Uh, One by 40. One by 40. Oh, huge leap there. That's on me. I apologize. Uh, Michigan State did look really good. We're going to talk about that. We have some takeaways. We're also going to define who's the most important player on every single Big Ten team this season. Been a while since we've done a Big Ten topic, and that's a fun little one that Carter came up with. And then finally, we have Guy's second list of the week. Uh, Shout out to Guy. He has his best hires from this offseason. So some interesting things to pull out of that. And uh, before we get into comments today, though, Cart, I'd like to address the fact that we have a, a list from Booby today that I think might be worth sharing. Would you like to, have to unveil this list? Do we have to? Let me know if you'd like to unveil it, Cart. It's up to you. 
you could unveil it. I, I don't feel right unveiling it. Well, Booby, uh, beloved Discord member Booby, DM'd me this morning and just said this. What's Carter's weight? <laughs> that was it. I woke up to that DM. And I said, "What?" I was like, "Hi." Huh? He was like, "It's for a list." I was like, "Oh, so uh, I don't, I don't even believe this is your weight—the weight that I gave him." But I thought it was a weight that would apply to whatever list he was making. So, uh, anyways, what, what, what weight? What weight did you give him? I gave him two sixty. Thank you. Is that not your weight? Uh, I'm not. No, I'm not two sixty. Can I ask your weight? I don't want a body shame, but can I? Can oh no, I'm two sixty six currently, as of this oh. morning. Okay, honestly, in my head, I thought you were like two fifty five. You look great right now. So, thanks. I know the goal. The goal is to get the goal is to get off this list. I think the threshold of this <laughs> list was two fifty eight. I want to get off this list. Hey, weight fluctuates, my friend. I'm back over the two hundred mark right now, but we just got to stay low and build. It is what it is. Uh, one too many tailgates in East Lansing. There's some chicken, <laughs> some peers got me back over the number. And uh, l- look, I said two sixty. I think that became the bar. So we have Booby's big boys list. He says uh, this is his favorite big boys that are a couple Twinkies away. Have to be over two hundred fifty pounds to make this list. And then he has a bunch of players that play college basketball, including our beloved Dane Danger, Eddie Lampkin, BJ Mack, uh, DJ Burns, and then a, a couple others. Not to body shame any of these guys, but uh, yeah, right in the middle of the list is Carter Elliott which hilarious, first of all, not to body shame. I love this list. But second, the Sleepers logo looks really good when in the mix with all these team logos. It kind of does. Did Tristan make honorable mention? You're going to have to ask Booby that. Oh, okay. I'll have to follow up on that. All right, we can do that. Uh, Great start to the day. The energy is high in the building. What's your comment of the day, Cart? Oh, before we get to that, that's a great segue into the bit coming back because I shouldn't be on. I want to be off the list. So we got ourselves a nice little fruit medley here. And Gregory, I actually I got to do a little double tap on the chest right here. This is on me. I know you're a fruit guy now. Do you wash your fruit before you eat it? I do. Yeah, I do. You do. Do you do now? Do you do, do cold water? Like what's your method? So it depends on the fruit. I wouldn't say I wash every fruit. Like if I'm ripping open a banana, I'm not washing said banana. If okay, I'm eating, yeah, yeah, no. if I'm yeah, eating no, like no. melon, I'm not washing the melon. But uh, I'm talking, I'm talking grapes, strawberries, grapes, berries. berries type. Yeah. I'll also yeah. want to get it known on paper. Not a berry guy. Just not my preference. They're fine, but wouldn't okay. prefer to go eat some berries. I am a grapes guy, both purple and green. Uh, and yes, I do wash my grapes before eating them. Um, just cold water, just a rinse is what I do under cold water, about 10 seconds. Uh, there you go. Let me put you on something here real quick. All right. Cold water. That's the play. But what do I want you to do? You get that big bowl of cold water, right? Put it in there, sprinkle some baking soda on top, and then do like a little bit, a little bit of salt, tiny bit of salt. And then you just get your hands in there and you just like you you caress the fruit, you wash the fruit, strain it, do it again. So do it two times. Right. Do that same process. And I promise you, like the fruit will hit so differently. It is so damn good. How did you stumble upon this method? That seems like way too much effort to eat grapes. Uh, TikTok. OK, so I want I want salted fruit. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of the no, fruit? No, I'm t- it, it's a pinch of it. You don't you don't taste any salt once you eat it. You just put it in the water. It helps actually get the stuff off of the fruit, like the baking soda, the salt. You're actually supposed to use 
I think white vinegar or distilled vinegar, but I didn't want to do all that because it just sounded like too much to me. But at minimum, do cold water and baking soda and just really get up in there with your hands in a bowl and like actually caress and massage the fruit. Okay, that's one too many caresses on the show. I let the first one go, but we we don't need any more caresses. Can I get a quick look at this fruit medley? What what type of fruits are we talking? So got some strawberries in here, got some grapes. And just because I wanted, I feel like you can't have a fruit medley unless you have more than two fruit. I cut up a couple of chunks of banana as well. I was going to say, it, I couldn't tell if that was banana or not, but um, if it was, I was going to applaud you. Hey, Mal, could you come here for a second? At your leisure, of course, honey. Uh, would you mind bringing me a little cut up bowl of fruit at some point in the next 20-ish minutes? Yeah, oh, that would be lovely. Thank you so much. I'm going to get my own fruit medley now. Wife just came back from grocery shopping. I saw the pick. There were some fruits in the cart. So, uh, Car, you've inspired me already. Breakfast Gang is here. We love it. By the way, speaking of uh, breakfast, the energy is high today, I think, because I don't work. Back to yesterday's conversation about why are our episodes coming out so late. Uh, today is my off day, which means we can record earlier in the morning. Again, before we had to spend 95 minutes doing business stuff. But uh, yeah, I got a nice on. workout in this morning. I had a homemade coffee. Like Vibes are just good on days that I can kind of like casually get into this episode. Now, now I'm getting a fruit medley at eleven o'clock. It's, it's yeah, just and you're also and you're also fitted. I'm showered. For, for, for I'm those, already worked for those out. Wa- for those watching on YouTube, kid is fitted. Hey, I did the elliptical today because I went to the gym for the first time in probably like two months. That doesn't mean I haven't been grinding, but my workouts have just been runs because that's a lot easier than going to the gym when you have a toddler. So, uh, I yeah, again today, baby's at grandma grandpa's house. We have some time. Said you know what? Let me hit the gym. 30 minutes on the elliptical for the first time in like six months, elliptical will whoop your ass. Oh, yeah, 100%. Easy. I forgot all about that. And like I I thought because I've been running and I've lost some weight, I'd be really in shape and feel great about it. No, it's still whoop my ass. Like my hips hurt right now. It's all right. You're working. That's all that matters. Shout out Bronson if that's where you went. Uh, that is not where I went. I'm a Y member now. Hey. Yeah, support local. Love the YMCA. Is what it is. Okay. Uh, comments. The day. <laughs> Great intro. Today. Yes. What do you got? My YouTube comment. Uh, shout out to Steve Dunn. He's a frequent commenter on uh, on our YouTube videos. I, I love that I can like recognize people that are in our YouTube comments now. Like I truly know names and things like that. Uh, but this one is from Steve Dunn. He says, my guys, Trey Holloman, which, and it's a my guys with four exclamation points, just to let you know, like, I feel like he he likes us. That's what he's saying by this. Uh, Trey Holloman would start for half of the Big Ten and Greg O'Spartan Nation and more importantly, Trey, an apology. Steven, my brother, <clears throat> like I said, thank you for all the comments on our YouTube videos. We do appreciate it. Let's see. How do I put this in a way that it really hits the way it needs to hit? OK, uh, Trey Holloman would not start for half of the Big Ten. He oh, sir, Wow. Greg cereal. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, but we crossed out cereal and now it says Greg's fruit bowl for, for anybody listening uh, that, to the podcast. That's just amazing that you have a actual cereal bowl that says Greg's cereal bowl on it. Oh, no cut up banana. Mal. Oh, not ripe. Okay. Understood. Well, brother, she brings you cut up fruit in your first 
your first thing is backlash because there's no cut up banana. I'm just, I was so sad. You made the banana look so good. I've got peaches and watermelon. Please continue. That's, wow, that sounds fire. But um, Trey Hallman would not start for half of the Big Ten teams. Uh, that's just unequivocally not true. And let's just pump the brakes on any complete overreactions from playing Hillsdale. Uh, by the way, Hillsdale disappointed me. Uh, Michigan State looked good, yes, but I did not expect Hillsdale to be that bad. They were not good. They were a bad team. Woodham's Just want to let that be known. My boy Woodham's got a bucket. Yeah. Woodham, yeah, Woodham's looks like he'd be special at a sandbar. Like He looks like he belongs at Torch Lake Sandbar. I uh, believe that wholeheartedly from what I've seen. There used to be special times at my uh, local Bronson gym, man. We had Woodham's. Woodham's had a brother, too. Woodham's family was running shit. We had Luke Lito, who was at at the time, as a freshman in high school here in Portage, he was the number one ranked baseball player in the country in his grade. Like we just had the dude that went to LSU. Yeah, we had that homegrown. He committed to LSU in eighth grade and was he went to Portage Central all four years here, but he would come hoop because he played basketball too. And so, uh, yeah, it was like the Woodhams and Lito and then like me and Jimmy Cotter and a bunch of old men trying to play with these kids. But uh, Lito never worked out, by the way. <laughs> I think he transferred from LSU. I don't know where he's at now, but uh, it turns out b- baseball recruiting is weird, man. You can be number one in the world to like a three-star in two years. Uh, yeah, th- I don't know. Michigan State's good. I'm excited to talk about it in general. I'll reserve my commentary on Holloman and Jeremy Fears, for that matter, um, until we get to the segment. But thank you for the comment. I appreciate it. Want to move to the Discord? I'd love to move to Discord. Let's move to the Discord. Uh, we start today's Discord comments with Travis Nelson, who says, for the record, I want to see Guy's 10 biggest questions list. This is, uh, if you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, we gave Guy some flack because we said we didn't want to use his questions list. Well, shout out Guy. He already made a new list for today's episode. He has uh, solidified himself. He's clearly our point guard for the metaphor from yesterday. Um, but going down here, Guy did drop his list. We're not going to release this visually publicly, but uh, his biggest questions list, number one was basically USC. He had Bronny and Vince, and then I changed it to will Bronny play because I I wanted a just solid question. His number two was Jose Perez. His number three was Jalen Llewellyn. His number four is Will Wade. Uh, You can kind of see as we go down it why I didn't drop it as a list because I don't feel like these are questions. These are people. And I don't like assigning like Jalen Llewellyn's a question, even though it's kind of obvious. It just feels like we're kind of antagonizing people. So um, further down the list, though, like the point guard situation at Illinois, uh, Zed Key versus Felix Akpara, Virginia's transfers, Paul Mulcahy, Kyle Filipowski. So it was a good concept, execution lacking, like I said, something that uh, we just couldn't figure out with that one. So nobody's fault. We move on. Guy has a great new list today. Uh, scrolling down here, a lot of comments on the questions list. I'm just not going to read because I feel like we've sort of wrapped it up. But um, then we got to talking to Jose Perez. Strange situation going there, obviously. Uh, and now first question from Guy himself. Going off the Scott Drew playing all the guard for Baylor thing from the episode, how many Big 12 games would Miro Little, Langston Love, Jacoby Walter, Ray J. Dennis, and Jalen Bridges together as a lineup win? How many games in the Big 12 would an all-guard Baylor team win? Hmm. That's a very, very interesting question. 
Because Jalen Bridges is probably like what six, 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 seven. That's what I'm guessing. Probably. Uh, let's see. You know, there's not many like dominant. I mean, you got Hunter Dickinson, unless I'm like completely missing. Caden Shedrick is a good big, but I don't necessarily think he's like a, a dominator on the offensive end type big. I think he's more of a lob threat, catch finish, great defensive guy. Um, I still think with that really good guard line, they could finish middle of the pack in the Big 12. I just think they get toasted defensively. Um, fun team. I think that team would miss the tournament. Like You got to have a big somewhere. Have to. Do you? Yeah, like uh, Kansas just wins against that team immediately. And I don't. I guess I don't know how many other dominant centers there are, but like I would assume Houston's going to have some good bigs. Uh, Texas is going to have good bigs. Like I don't. I don't see yeah. how that Baylor team would win any of the games against the teams with a good big. Just be. It would be fun. <laughs> it would be very fun. But you gotta have a center. You gotta have a center. I think that'd be a bad team. Uh, Travis Nelson's back in. He says, I just want this to be known to the body language expert sleepers. Just on that and vibes alone, Jeremy Fears could end up as my favorite MSU player ever. Do you like that call out from a body language vibes perspective? I, I do like that from a body language vibes, vibes perspective. He has a calf tat. He wears an armband. I just, I mean, he's number one. His The back of his jersey says Fears Jr. His last name is Fears like it vibes alone. I really like fears. We're going to talk about, I mean, his name's Jeremy. That's a, that's a big kind of, it holds you back from peak vibes. It does. It does. But I think floor general picks up for that. Okay. Every, I mean, everything about fears. I love, don't get me wrong, but uh, like, are we really like just taking another random vibes guy? I love. Doug McDaniel wearing zero with all the accessories, all the tats, and his name is Doug McDaniel. Yeah, that's, yeah. like that's, that's it's close. Jeremy Fears is great, but that's that's the bar right now, and it's kind of hard to top. Uh, scrolling down, Trent Frazier is goat is in the Discord. Uh, first of all, welcome, Trent. I don't know that I've seen you comment in the Discord before, so I don't know if I missed a new entrance or what. But welcome, my friend. He says, "Is Trent Frazier the goat?" Uh no, Trent, Trent Frazier is not the goat. Uh, I really do love Trent Frazier though. Uh, besides, when people are trying to argue with me that Tyson Walker is just Trent Frazier, that agitates me a little bit. But I respect Trent Frazier for the player he was and what he did for Illinois. And also, according to my Illinois sources, the, the kid was special outside as well of State Farm Arena which completely adds to the mystique for me. So, yeah, a big Trent Frazier guy I hear. I'd be willing to listen to arguments that Trent Frazier is the GOAT Trent. But outside of that, no. I don't think you could define him as what a, what, what other Trents is he compared to? Trent Richardson, that like Twitter account book it with Trent that keeps losing bets and everybody keeps publicly fading. I don't know any other Trents. That's why, like, I think Trent, that, Trent Williams, left tackle from the 49ers. Yeah, doors open for Trent Frazier to be the greatest Trent, I guess. But no, he's not, not the GOAT anything other than maybe the GOAT Trent. Malik Perry says, who would you rather shoot free throws, Mati Sissoko or Ty Rogers? Yes, Sissoko's percentage is better, 
and he shot twice as many than Rodgers. Yay, Booker is a four this year. He isn't strong enough yet, and his awareness isn't quite ready for the five. Yeah, a couple things there. Uh, I'd rather have Ty Rodgers shooting free throws. I think Madi's misses are more dangerous. They come off the rim extremely hard. Uh, I will say this, Booker did look like kind of lost and a step slow defensively for sure. But like we kind of expected that maybe in his first game, hopefully that gets better throughout the season. But he also came in the game and strapped two threes before we could even blink. So we saw what he could do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, four will be very interesting. We'll talk about it later this show, but uh, I would rather have Madi shoot free throws if I absolutely had to. I think Ty is the worst free throw shooter in the country. I really do. I think that man, like he, he knew he was going to play point guard. He didn't improve at all at the line. Like how, I don't know how that happens. Uh, like I feel, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I feel like centers at least have the out of like, I'm a center. Like I, I got to work on other stuff. I, I'm not going to make free throws. I'm a center. Like Ty's whole thing is like, I'm a guard, but he hasn't developed any guard skill outside of passing, which he's always had for like a wing, but I don't know. Right. I just also, also even, also even more detrimental, you know, you're going to be a big guard. You're going to get fouled a lot. Yeah. Like being a big guard comes with getting fouled. So yeah, I still truly believe that it's, it's mental. I'll never, ever, ever forget when Zach Hurth couldn't make a free throw and our coaches were trying to break down why he's not hitting free throws. And I literally grabbed him by his jersey and took him to the other end. I'm like, dude, just make the damn free throw. And then he went on to like lead the team in like 89% and he like never missed. Coach Cart, you got to love it. Basketball Jones says, can I get you guys to power rank these discord rivalries? We have Cart versus Malik. We have Guy versus Booby. We have me and Tristan versus everybody else on food. And then we have Ryan the Lion versus everyone. Uh, for those at home that are not Discord members, first off, great plug to buy the Discord because we have all these personalities that have already led into some fun rivalry type energy discussions. Uh, Cart and Malik, just they should be friends, but they're enemies. They're, they're Michigan State aligned, but it seems like they disagree on everything. Uh, Guy and Booby, I mean, that's, again, our our star point guard versus a five-star blue-chip recruit when it comes to the list game. That's going to not end for a long time, I'm sure. Uh, me and Tristan versus everybody else on food, we're just picky eaters, simple as that. Ryan the Lion is a menace, and everyone else has <laughs> to just has to work with Ryan the Lion. It's incredible. So what's uh, your power ranking of those four rivalries? I got to go Ryan the Lion versus everyone at one because it's 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 special to take on the whole discord. Mm-hmm. And he and he does it with with his chin up and with 100 percent relentlessness every single day. Uh, second, I'm going to have to go booby versus guy just because it's two talented, talented people just going at it like you. You don't want to watch a final four of Darion Trammell and and Brian Greenlee going at it. You want to see, I don't know, you want to see Isaiah Collier versus whatever good point guard. I'm not going to say Tyler Kolick, but you, that that type, I guess. Um, third, probably me and Malik. I just, <laughs> I I love Malik. Like, he's a Michigan State fan. I don't get it. But, like, I just, if Izzo was to go to the center court and punt a baby into the Izzo, he would find a way to spin that, that he's doing the right thing. And I just can't rock with that. Uh, there's nothing that Michigan State can do wrong. And it, it, that must be a great world to live in. I can't live in that world with him. 
Um, he also comes at me personally a lot. And I feel like if I saw Malik in person, I'd crack him upside his head with love, of course. Um, and then fourth has got to be your food takes and you you interest his food takes because that's not really even a battle. It's just like you guys are weird eaters, picky eaters, whatever word you want to use. Yeah, I agree. I would uh I don't have preference between the first three. All three are fantastically entertaining to me. Me and Tristan versus everybody on food is last for sure, though. I don't I don't view that as a rivalry. I just view that as like, oh, sorry, I don't care about steak. <laughs> That's like man. Uh okay, moving on. Booby has his player of the day. Uh UC Santa Barbara, Johan Traore. I think I'm saying that correctly because uh, at one point Michigan really wanted him. As as we know, Traore. Didn't have the most productive season last year behind the production from the bigs at Auburn. Now at UCSB, he's easily the second option on the team. I would have him as my player of the year if A.J. Mitchell wasn't his teammate. Hmm. That's interesting to me. Unfortunately, I'm going to push back on Booby on this one because I find it hard to believe that he's going to be that good because he it seemed like big programs were after him when he first got into the transfer portal. And then they backed off, and then he ends up at UC Santa Barbara. That drop-off for me is just, eh, I'm not really sure about it. I I think that people have gotten way too accustomed or recency biased with the fact that the Illinois Champagne King AirPods went from not playing to a smaller school and started killing. There's a lot of players who do the same thing that AirPods did and fall flat on their face. But I do like that Santa Barbara team, though. A.J. Mitchell, I don't know how I ended up watching him one day. I think he came across my Twitter timeline. He can go. He's real good. Uh, but I'm not sure if I'm buying Johan Trevor's stock. But I, but I but I do know Michigan felt good about, about him, probably. So is there – this is a genuine question. Is there any good example you can give me of a five-star recruit coming out of high school – that whether out of high school or later in their careers has ended up at a school as small as UC Santa Barbara and turned out that that was a good move. He was good there. And then he was back on an NBA trajectory that really worked. Like I, to me, I don't think you can really point to one other than your boy, Ray when Ray like naturally went to Detroit over North Carolina and all these other schools. And uh, my, my objective take on that, I know we might get Ray on the show one day. My objective take on that was that it didn't really work. I think it hurt Ray's stock fundamentally. And then he ended up in the league because he fought through that adversity and, you know, had a nice, nice career in the league. There's nothing to sneeze at his career in the league, but he certainly wasn't an NBA all-star or anything. To me, like if if you are that level of prestige recruit guy, you just don't end up at UC Santa Barbara. You just don't. Like there's too many schools that would see you and notice what you're capable of and make something happen. Now that's different. Like the pods example is totally different because pods was not prestigious recruit. I feel like four stars and below, you can fall under the cracks, situational, and people just kind of forget about you. If you were a top 20 recruit in the country, though, that's not possible something is up whether it's like Imani Bates whether it's I don't know what other examples you want to go through but I I just feel like every example is more about this kid just didn't work than it is everybody messed up and a gem slipped to UC Santa Barbara yeah I agree with that because I I literally can't think of anybody else who's taken that trajectory because honestly if if you are a five-star 
that'll hold you long and that'll give you enough juice to at least go to another school, like another yeah. power five school. Yeah. It's like somebody scoops you up and says, here we are. Like, let, let's get this on tracks. And uh, that's not me rooting against Treyor. He could be really good. I wanted him at Michigan, honestly, but that was more because we're so thin in the front court than my belief in his ability as a player. Uh, scrolling down, Coy has a fun question here. Is Terrace Reed better than Dane Danger or is he the defensive version of Dane? That's honestly a shockingly just perfect description. Isn't that what it is? <laughs> so I spent about 10 minutes thinking on this. I think that if Dane Danger was on Michigan, Terrace Reed would be the starting center. And Dane would come off the bench. Really? I do. Because Just because more emphasis on defense? I, I think at least for this year's team, Michigan knows they need to be elite defensively and Dane's never going to be that. Um, so if you want, if you want to define that as I think Terrace is better, you could say that like, I think on, if you put these two on every team in the country, Terrace would be the starting center on more teams than Dane would be. Um, I also think like you saw some film, you texted me about a little bit, like Terrace kind of looks all right offensively right now. <laughs> we got to see it in a real yeah, game. I, but and, and I guess it's just just in the day and age and how centers operate. It's just like, yeah, Dane having that offensive bag and be able to score whenever he wants on offense is great. But also, if you can get terrorist-level defense and then you can just get terrorist just to catch it and finish, yeah, it's 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 just that's sometimes that's all the team really needs. So I guess it's just getting that defensive step, that defensive level eliteness down is huge in regards to terrorist. But at the same time, you know, we – I don't – Dane's bag is ridiculous. As much Truly. as we love Dane, it is. As much as we – like, he's our archetype that we love. As much as we love Dane, I think the hard thing is, like, really a best case for Dane to me is what Nick Ward was at Michigan State, which, again, bucket, like, elite footwork. Just you got him the ball. He was going to score every single time. By the end of Nick Ward's career, Izzo didn't even want to like center the team around him. Like it's kind of like that archetype, no matter how good you are in it, is problematic because coaches don't want to win that way. They just don't. Yeah. Except Dane can pass. He's got a little bit more than Nick Ward. Nick Ward was all one hand, too. You really think so? I see, I think I really think Nick is like the peak of what Dane could be. Oh no, I don't think so. Okay. Didn't Nick average like 14 points as a freshman? Uh, I don't know if it was 14. Let me do a quick numbers check on this. I'm pretty sure Nick Ward had an insane freshman season. Really? Yeah. I might be. Were we good? It was on the cash team. Cash was a freshman. Nick Ward is a freshman averaged 13.9 points and 6.5 rebounds and 1.5 blocks. Shooting 60, 59% from the floor in 19 minutes a game. <laughs> Damn. Oh, he's absurd. He's absurd. That was the yeah. The I guess I didn't realize that. That was Cassius Winston, Josh Langford, redacted all as freshmen with senior Aaron Harris. Dane is doing Dane is doing that though, but you can throw in three assists, the four assists with that as well. Okay, except he's never done that, right? I mean, what? How many minutes did Dane play last year? Gotta be nineteen. Gotta be. Yeah, Dane played 20 minutes a game last year and averaged nine. 
and five. Like, and I get it. Like when Dane was guy, on the floor, my, he was focal point. My, my guy needs to, my guy needs touches, man. He, he has work to do just to become Nick Ward is the point. And again, Nick Ward, so good as a freshman, three years later, Izzo is like, we don't even want you to start. Like that's, it's a tough archetype. And that's why, probably why Dane's coming off the bench right now. <laughs> like coaches don't want to build around that guy. Uh, final him. question, or no, two more questions. Trent Frazier is go is back. He put this in the basketball thread and I asked him to move it to comments because I wanted to address it. He said, MSU shoots 11 for 20 from the free throw line, eight for 23 from three. But zero chance Greg makes a big deal out of it or mentions it. Illinois does that and dot, dot, dot. Well, you know. Does he think I want to, like, avoid calling out Michigan State's flaws? (laughs) (laughs) He's looking for him, brother. (laughs) He's searching. You don't have the scout on me, Trent Frazier is goat. Like, have I not been doing that enough? Because trust me, I can do it more. Uh (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk. Shooting is on my list. Don't worry. We are going to talk. Before this comment, I was going to bring it up. With that said, 8 for 23 isn't like some concerning number, is it? 8 for 23 from 3? No. No. I was more concerned. I mean, the free throws were were bad, but I wasn't – 8 for 23 wasn't that bad. Yeah, we'll talk about shooting later in the episode, but like they shot 35% from 3 on 23 attempts. I'm not like, ooh, red flag off of that. Uh, the free throws are a different thing, and – uh Spoiler alert, it was just one guy who wasn't making free throws. Just one guy who notes pad emoji is a top 20 point guard in the country and his shot was so improved, I was told. Final it was, comment. It was two guys, two guys missing free throws, but final comment of the day from Tristan Freeman. He says, in honor of the Chicago Bulls, which college basketball power six team will be the quickest to call a team meeting this season? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to – I'm not going to say Illinois because I don't think it is going to be Illinois. not going to do it. Isn't that the easy answer, though? It is. I think the quickest call team meeting is going to be Villanova. Hmm. Okay. I don't hate that. Uh, Who's calling the meeting, though? Uh, Kyle Neptune Stylist. No, Akeem uh, Hart. Akeem Hart is calling it. I have four possible answers, and I'm going to talk them through and then quickly try and pick one. Option one is Arizona, and somebody's calling it. Honestly, Caleb Love might call it himself in a leadership role if somebody's just like shooting and somebody's upset. Uh, option two is Kansas. They lose the Champions Classic game. And Hunter's effort is bullshit. And Dewan Harris and Kevin McCullough say, we're not going to deal with this team meeting. Uh, option three is Illinois because it's obvious for obvious reasons. They can call a team meeting right now, and I wouldn't be surprised. Option four is my Michigan Wolverines. And that's not because I think they're going to be overly toxic. It's because my boy, Jace Howard, will call a team meeting. Okay, <laughs> like If there's one thing Jace Howard will do, it's have a players-only meeting. He's ready for that moment. Uh, it's certainly coming at some point this season. It could happen night one. It really could. I, I like the Michigan call out on that. I'm surprised. You, no North Carolina? No, things are smooth there now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. kind of like – now I'm focused on Champions Classic. I kind of want to throw Duke in the fold there. I think it's Kansas. Duke doesn't have the veteran leadership to call the meeting. I think Kansas, like if Hunter's on some bullshit, I do. You, think you don't. Like, you don't think Jer- you don't think Jeremy Roach is calling one? Like I'm sick no. of all you young you young cats. No, 
No, he's not vocal like that. I think, uh, yeah, I think it would be Kansas. Except Bill Self would just call the meeting himself if it's Kansas. I don't know. Fun question. Honorable honorable mention, West Virginia. Kirk Reese calls it. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Kansas. I think that's the pick. All right, great day, comment section. We appreciate you. Vibes are high right now. Uh, join the Discord, please. It's $9.99 a month. We got 56 paid members as of this morning. I know that because of our business meeting. And I also know that four people chose to leave us, which hurts my heart and soul. And it hurts my daughter. Honestly, diapers are expensive. So everything helps. Every penny helps. And my daughter's been constipated for two days, okay? That's your fault, people who left the Discord. Uh, let's move. Three topics today. We're going to start with your team. The Michigan State Spartans looked great. I that that's all I have for you. We'll talk it more in depth than that. But as far as setting it up goes, Michigan State was really good and more importantly, really fun. Like I said, you were calling it out on Twitter. A lot of Michigan State fans just excited to have something fun that is back. What a wild swing in the last five days for Michigan State to go from 49-0 to now Jim Harbaugh might go to jail. And oh, by the way, our basketball team's ready for the final four. And oh, by the way, Urban Meyer's coming. I mean, that's just a crazy five-day swing. Uh, but in the meantime, this basketball team looks really, really deep, which we knew on paper, and they look just like one of the must-watch teams. If there was an NBA league pass thing for college basketball, Michigan State would be there. Uh, Michigan State scored 85 points in this game. I believe it was a 40-something point win. I don't have Hillsdale stats in front of me, but I do have Michigan State stats in front of me. Uh, Tyson Walker and Carson Cooper led the team with 13 points. Cohen Carr next up with 12 Jaden Aikens with 10, everybody else very balanced. Every single player that is not a walk-on scored in this game. Again, very deep team. What are your first impressions of your Michigan State Spartans? Yeah, the, the team's just fun, I think. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to make a rash, like, wins, losses. We're doing this. Yes, I did tweet, like, I'll see you in Phoenix when Xavier Booker got in and hit that first three. That was more so just me just messing around, trolling a little bit. But I think this team is going to be fun. I think they're going to play different also uh, in, as the past couple of years. It seemed like Michigan State slowed down a little bit uh, in the past couple of years. I think that they realize they have a team that can run. Uh, Tyson Walker is going to be incredible this year for this team. Jay Nakins looked like he was doing Jay Nakins things. Carson Cooper looked improved. Uh, the freshman showed some things. Uh, really like what Jeremy Fears was able to do, even though he looked a little bit sped up. He did have four turnovers in this game. He was still able to tally eight assists in this game, which I believe was tied with A.J. Hogard for the lead. So, you know, all in all, just a fun game. Saw a lot of fun things. Cohen Carr is a monster. Uh, I don't think – I might have missed it in the film I watched on him, but I didn't realize that he was so relentless attacking the glass, especially on the offensive end. Uh, I think he can improve a little bit on that on the defensive end if he attacked it with the same veracity. But, uh, man, he attacks the offensive glass hard. Carson Cooper was all, all over the offensive glass. I mean, it, it, there's not really many negatives to me to say about the, the, the team. Uh, the, if I did have to pick one, I was really kind of a little bit disappointed with Malik Hall's play. I thought his decision-making was off. And the, the, the hitch and the jumper, it looks like it might have gotten a little bit worse. I don't know if that's a mental thing, but – all in all, just, you know, a dominant, fun game against a bad Hillsdale team. And I'll take it, but there's a lot that I'll be looking for in the next couple of games, especially in the exhibition, like we mentioned, that's going to happen this Sunday against Tennessee. 
really good, really fun team. That's the right takeaway. You should play up the fun of this as much as you can, obviously. Like, I had no problem with, like, the, oh, the Final Four is back tweets. I have no problem with that from you. Um, I Just on the fun note, I just want to say this, and this isn't – I promise this isn't me trying to hate, but uh, something about this team, I don't know what it is, is not reaching the peak level of fun that, the like, the cash year when they were young has. And maybe that will change for me. I just don't know what it is. I think it's like, like I know Michigan State's really good. I really enjoyed watching the freshmen in this game more than I enjoyed watching the starters. And I know it was a lot of like platoon system stuff. Maybe uh, like, I think when you play real competition, I would assume it's not platoons. Although I actually do want to talk platoons in a moment. Cause I think it could be a good move, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just like, like no offense to the team because the team is very good. But I don't view that starting group as some special group. I think they're a very good basketball team that has experience and depth and a liability at center and now a liability at the four. <laughs> and when that group's together, I'm not no offense, I'm not afraid of that group. That's a group that's going to split with Michigan, most likely, in that group. What makes this team exciting and special to me is all these new faces off the bench. And I think there was a lot of really, really good things from those guys. That's not me clamoring for more minutes. It's an exhibition. I'm probably not even going to clamor for more minutes during the season because the starters are really good. But just from the fun perspective, like, oh, that was so fun. I'm having a hard time, like, matching that until I see the freshmen, like, mixed in with the starters a little more because – no, uh, from my perspective, I don't think that starting group is super fun. I think the, the fun is Cohen Card, Xavier Booker, and Jeremy Pierce to me. Does that – am I way off there as, like, an objective viewer? Like, I I don't think this approached, like, the Nick Ward, Cassius, Josh Langford fun freshman year. No, like, I think uh, – and for people who are listening to this, I, I'm making a visual representation right now that I'll make in the audio form as well so you can see it with the YouTube people. In my right hand here, I have, you know – the vets, I guess you would say. You gave me A.J. Hogard, you gave me Jay Nakins, and you gave me Tyson Walker. In my left hand here, separated currently, I have the fun guys. You got Cohen Carr, Jeremy Fears, Xavier Booker, Dolan Carson Cooper in that mix as well. I want to bring those two together, and I want those – I want that group to mesh. I want that group to mesh. And then you can have – my left elbow, the other guys, they can be over there. They can get in this mesh, but they need to be away, away from the fun and the meshing of the vets and the fun. So you know, I don't think you're too far off there. My wish or, you know, my hope for this is that as we go farther along in the season, maybe that's the realization that, you know what, we take this three-headed kind of vetty backcourt wing guys that we got in AJ Hogard, Tyson Walker and Jay Nakins. And then you mix that with the fun guys. And then you can have maybe those other vet guys that can come in and have a chance to do some things as well. Or maybe that fun group isn't doing what they need to do, but I don't think you're too far off in that because like you said, it got fun once Cohen Carr, Jeremy Fears and Xavier Booker got in the game and shit. Honestly, I'll even eat crow on this. Trey Holloman was low-key fun in that game mm-hmm. for, for parts of that game. He did show some improvements. Granted, it was against Hillsdale, but he was fun in that game. Same with Carson Cooper. So um, we're not going to make absolutely, like, crazy overreactions, like change the starting lineups right now or anything like that. But I will say it should be as a note that, you know, there should be, like, a maybe thought that later in the season – 
you can mix those two groups of like fun and vets and see what it looks like. So I think it could look really, really good. Yeah. They're all the parts are there. You just got to put the puzzle together. And like I said, that, that is not me speaking on anything about how good this team is. This team is nasty. Every, everything I took away from last night's game was this team's going to be really, really good. Just purely from a fun perspective. I'm, Cause I'm p- comparing this team on paper as far as fun goes, I'm comparing them to like the Jaron year where you had that awesome sophomore class back. You had some experience and then you had this generational freshman like all together. But the five guys on the floor at any given time were all like freak fun NBA guys or great college players that were super fun. This year's team, like I, I can't my fun brain can't get past like Mati Sissoko's on the floor for 20 minutes for this team. That's not fun. Like, and I don't mean to harp on Mati, but I, that's that's where this sort of starts for me. Um, let's move into actual basketball, though, not just fun. Nobody cares on who I think is fun or not. Uh, you called out Trey. I Holl- care. You call it. You called out Trey Holloman. Uh, I'll lump him in together with Carson Cooper, two guys that I maybe we, but more me have been very harsh on. Have kind of said I don't see it at all. I don't think you guys want these guys in the rotation. Well, Trey, I thought, looked much improved. Um, I know Coy, some people in the Discord didn't necessarily see it the way we did with Trey. I'm not saying he was mind-blowing, but uh, last year I thought Trey was unplayable every time he stepped on the floor. This year I'm like, oh, he actually, like, he had a steal-turned-assist. He hit a three. Like, he was doing productive things on the basketball court this year for the first time I've ever seen. And Cooper, uh, shout-out to DK. I'll give him credit. I mean, he's been waving this kid's flag since the moment he stepped on the floor. And I've just thought he was flat out wrong. I've thought he was ponying up for a guy he just likes watching more than Kohler and Mahdi. But uh, again, competition level aside, Carson Cooper looked really, really good last night. You can see it. He's mobile. He can catch the basketball. He can do a lot of these things that Mahdi Sissoko struggles with. Um, I see the makings of the best center on this roster right now in Carson Cooper. So do you agree with me? Like, are, are those two guys that you kind of were surprised in a positive way by from this game? Yeah. I mean, I, I think looking at it head to head, you know, Carson can just do things that Madi can't really do. And uh, speaking to also, I do want to shout out DK for doing that and also calling that out. Cause he, he definitely did. And I definitely pushed back on him with Carson Cooper. Granted, Still got a lot of season goals, still got a lot of games to go. But right now, I I, I see what he sees. Um, but the thing that people would say would be like, Madi is more of a physical presence than any of the other centers. Now, I don't necessarily think he's the most physical presence on the floor. Like Carson Cooper looks physically bigger. He looks stronger. Uh, he looks just as quick as Madi. Um I still see the struggles on the defensive end as far as rebounding, uh, not necessarily defensively, but defensive rebounding. There was a lot of moments in yesterday's game where it seemed like Cooper and especially when he was on the floor with Booker, they were really struggling to secure rebounds against a very, very undersized Hillsdale team. Um, so that was a cause for concern for me. But I just think when you look at it, you go head to head. There's not really much that Madi does better than Carson. Like it, that's just, that's just is what it is. Now that doesn't mean that you don't play Madi at all. I think you're going to need a backup center, but I think that maybe the role should be switched between who's the backup and who's the main guy. Yeah. And I don't know that they will be. Um, 
I mean, it's it's day one, so I don't I don't want to say anything definitively, but it, it certainly feels like to me Izzo is comfortable with Mati Sissoko as his starting center, at least with the three guards. Like, I don't know necessarily if that is what it is, if Mati's just like wired in defensively with those guys, but um, I don't think he'll be swift to make any changes, no matter how good Carson Cooper looks, quite frankly, because I think he's pretty comfortable with Mati. Um, yeah, I let's talk about the freshman a little bit. Certainly flashes from all of them in this game. Xavier Booker stepped right up, made a three almost immediately. He made two threes in this game. Cohen Carr was third on the team in scoring. He had the highlight dunk. Uh, I mean, his athleticism is off the charts. Everybody knows that. But there, there's no way to physically match this guy for any team in the country, let alone Hillsdale. Jeremy Fears finishes with eight assists, which is the same number that A.J. Hogard finished with. Um uh, look productive about as productive as you could want from those three guys to start their careers. Uh, the eye test to me told me a different story a little bit with some of these guys. And I kind of want to go one by one, but let's start with Booker. Booker did not play a minute. As far as I could tell, he did not play a minute at center in this game. It was all Cooper. It was all Mahdi, just two centers at the five. We had circled that as something we were paying attention to. Uh, he, he drifts to the perimeter a lot. So I'm less screaming that he should play center after seeing game one. I think there would be some concerns there, but uh, I still think on paper, it would be nice if he could be the small ball guy. What did you see? there? So, so, so this is what I saw. And I did notice that he was drifting a bit as the four. I think he would drift a lot less if he was the five, because if he's the five and you're like Booker, go set a pick roll or go set a pick pop whatever it might be depending on maybe who the four is at the, at the time on the floor but I feel like because he was at the four he was drifting a lot and he was just kind of drifting to the corner drifting to the wing I think he would drift a lot less if he played some minutes at the five and you know frankly it was a little bit disappointing to see him not get minutes at the five in a game against Hillsdale like that would have been that, that would have been the time to try it. Uh, I'm hoping that they do try it this Sunday, to be honest with you. I think they should at least give it a little bit of a run. Like, why not now? Why not in the exhibition? But I, I I might be wrong on this, but I truly believe that if he did play the five, he might float a little bit less. Okay. I like that take. That's a, a I like that, like, basketball sense take. Because, yeah, if you're playing the four next to Madi Sissoko, where's he supposed to be? rim running <laughs> like, that's not gonna work the paint's all clogged and aj hogard can't go anywhere so i uh I, overall i was very impressed with booker um i would give him i guess i'll just give him a b i'll give him a b for this because i had high expectations but a couple red flags to me one he didn't play a minute at center which i'm not blaming the staff on maybe they want to keep things simple to start that's probably good don't throw too much at this kid but two, I do think we saw the IQ effort stuff a little bit defensively. Um, and I, I think that's just part of who he is. Hopefully that improves, but it's a reason why people are so divided on him as a recruit. It's like why you saw the tantalizing rise up to the fifth best player in the country and then the fall back to 80 because it's like this guy's lazy. I don't I wouldn't summarize his whole game as lazy last night, but there were moments where you could pick it out where like he's just not working that hard. And that's obviously got to change if he's going to earn real minutes in a front court where there's Malik Hall, there's Cohen Carr who is working hard, and then there's two centers. Like I, I started doing the math on this. If he's really going to play a true center the whole game at the five, somebody's getting squeezed out at the four. 
because there's nowhere to go. You can't slide guys down when you have Aikens, Walker, and Hogarth. Like, they're, they're going to have to play 80 minutes combined for five guys of Cohen, Carmel, Lee, Hall, Booker, and the two centers. And, like, I, I like what I saw from Booker. I think he's the best shot blocker of the bunch. I think he's the best perimeter threat of the bunch. And that matters. But I'm starting to get concerned that, like, he might be fifth on the totem pole here as far as role could go because of his effort concerns. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, as well, is that I feel like for the most part last night was what we saw was Booker playing with Cooper, right, if I'm not mistaken. Which I like as a pairing, by the way. Like that's I like. Which I do like as a pairing. That's what I'm saying. Like I feel like you gotta have if you are gonna play him at the four, you gotta have a certain five. If at any point this year we have Booker and Sissoko out there as as the front court, I think it'll be a disaster defensively, just because the IQ won't be there as far as uh you know defensively, especially. Um. So uh, you know, even even like giving it a go of Booker at the five and like Cohen Carr at the four, I think would be worth taking a look at I, I i just think it would be um but yeah it was it for for all in all i think it was a good performance by booker but you can definitely see the awareness iq things especially on the defensive end of the floor you can see that yeah okay um i want to do the other freshman but i feel like we should do malik hall right off the back of talking xavier booker because that's sort of where this comes into play for me i was wildly unimpressed with malik in this game um, my read on this eye test wise is he's either got a hitch in his shot or confidence issues with his shot or something, but this is not a guy who we saw early in his career where he was a big time shooting threat to me. And this is the first moment of many. I think we'll probably mention this this year. This team is really going to miss Joey Hauser. Like they really are going to miss Joey Hauser because I, I think the two things you would circle from this game and say, Ugh, I don't know, are rebounding, which Joey was your best rebounder last year. And you didn't really have a perimeter threat in the front court other than Booker. Booker banged two threes. But uh, I think the hope was kind of Malik Hall could shoulder some of that like veteran. I'm going to go get boards and I'm going to be a three and D guy. I don't trust his three at all right now. I, I just straight up don't think this guy is a shooter. And uh, I, I don't think if we're trying to add up, like what is Malik Hall going to do that helps this team more than Cohen Carr and Xavier Booker, he's not shooting it better than Booker through one game. And I don't think he's ever going to be the rebounder that Cohen Carr is just physically. So my stock down, if I did say like stock down one guy, it's hugely on Malik Hall in this game. Um, am I being too critical there? No, I just, I it, it's, it's for me, the most disappointing part. And th- this is, Outside of the hitch, outside of those things like that, a guy who's been playing basketball, college basketball, and been in the system and built a team that long, making mental mistakes is just kind of inexcusable at this point. Like, it shouldn't be. And obviously, guys are going to make mistakes on the basketball court. That happens all the time. Um, Even mental mistakes happen. Like, no player is perfect. But there were just so many instances where I think the wrong decisions were made as far as, like, driving and passing. Um, And then – you know, I, I think a lot of people point to, the, like you said, the fact that Malik Hall has the ability to shoot. If Malik Hall is not hitting shots, which he's not doing and hasn't, frankly, done for a good amount of time now. Ever since he came back, it just seems like the hitch has just kind of been there. I'm not really sure what that is. Uh, but, uh, 
you, you know, you just look to maybe what the other players on the floor, if Malik Hall's not giving you shooting and leadership and making the right play as a veteran, then it he kind of becomes a negative at times. Like that's why you have him on the floor is because he's an older guy who's been there a lot and is supposedly supposed to be versatile and can be, and have seen moments in his Michigan state career where he's versatile, but if he's not doing that, then it's like, you know, it's kind of hurting the team. And then you have other guys who can do some other things as well. So uh, one game obviously against Hillsdale, but like if we had to pick a stock down or maybe a, something to put a bookmark in that looking forward to might be a cause for concern. I, I think it would be his play. Yeah. I don't mean to be overly critical, but it, it to me it's like okay let's go through the three options at the four if you want defense rebounding physical you play Cohen Carr if you want shooting based on what I have seen and heard from this offseason I think you want Xavier Booker and I, like I guess what is it for Malik is the thing like what is the thing we can point to it's like we need this right now at the four so we need Malik Hall I don't know what that thing is right now. Leadership, I guess. But like, I to me, when you look at the rest of the roster, you don't need leadership out of your four. You have Tyson Walker and AJ Hogard. So you don't need a guy to score 20 from the four. You have Tyson Walker and Jay Nakins. So like to me, Malik was really, really valuable three years ago on a team that quite frankly just didn't have talent because Malik Hall could drop into any given game in Bloomington and drop 24 points. Like that, when a team needed that, he was really valuable. This year's team needs shooting and defense from their force. And I think Malik Hall is arguably on paper the third of those three at both of those right now. So um, yeah, I'd agree. We'll, we'll see where it goes from here. The other two freshmen, Cohen Carr had the highlight moment. Everybody loves him. I mean, just such a fun player in general. I said I wanted to see more than dunks. Did you see more than dunks in this game? Mm. No, I mean, you saw the one move off of the dribble. Um, you saw the offensive rebounding, but really besides that, no, you didn't. He didn't you didn't even really see him. Did he have the chance to do it? No, he didn't really either. Um, he like moves extremely well without the ball, just as far as cutting and knowing when to go to the basket and things like that. Uh, but no, we did not see that. So uh maybe a cause for him. So we didn't even see a free throw, did we? No, no, he did have a free throw. Did he make it? Uh let me look. I don't believe he did make it. Okay. Um, and All to right. be honest with you, I don't remember like the how it looked or anything of that. Owen Carr was so. 0, 0 for one from the line. Um yeah, I I'm not concerned. Like I I still want to see it. I think you called it out correctly. He didn't need to do more than what he's great at in this game, which is probably a good thing. There probably won't be many games this year where Cohen Carr needs to do more than fly up and down the court and dunk. Um mm -hmm. what I will say. Are we sure we saw the offensive rebounding? He had one offensive rebound in this game. Well, I thought he would. I thought like just him attacking the glass in general. Like there was a couple that Carson Cooper grabbed before him, but if Cooper didn't yeah. get it, he was going to get it. I mean, it's definitely a little bit of, of projecting um, okay. on that. But uh, yeah, because yeah, did, did, did he only have one? Yeah, so visually, I came away the same way huh. you did. I, I watched the game, and I was like, that guy's going to be the best offensive rebounder in the country. Like, he's – and even in general, I'm just like, that guy's – he's going to be a menace on the boards. Like, he he can be that good. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the box score, and he finished with three total rebounds. And uh, – no, sorry, two. No, yes, three total rebounds, one offensive rebound, which uh, was less than Malik Hall in this game. I mean, shit, man, Tyson Walker led this team in rebounds. 
Like, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little shocked. I, I mean, the rebounding, especially defensively, was a cause for concern for sure. Yeah, which is just weird because I, again, visually, I left that being like Cohen Carr's a menace there, but then you step back, it's like, no, is isn't he just jumping? Maybe like watch it back. Maybe he was just jumping and he didn't grab any of the re- like that's he also did uh, on the defensive side. There were definitely moments where him and Xavier Booker combined were missing box outs. So mm-hmm. that's something to watch. Like on paper, this guy should immediately be one of the best rebounders there is. But just uh, a little bit of a, a miss there as far as the numbers compared to what our eyes told us. Now let's do fears. Um, I, I don't think there's anything people have loudly felt more different on than how I feel than Jeremy fears after this game. Now I want to preface this by saying, I think I have had such a high bar for Jeremy fears. That's probably affecting some of my opinions on this. I, if I had to compare him as a prospect to a player, it's always been Trey Burke. I've said that for over a year at this point, and I'm sticking with that. I was very unimpressed with what I saw from Jeremy fears in this game. And I think Michigan state fans will be upset with me on that. Cause all I've heard in our Discord and elsewhere is like this kid would start anywhere in the country. I didn't see that at all. I know the assist numbers are there. Eight assists is incredible. We knew Jeremy Fears had that. I'm not surprised that Jeremy Fears got a lot of assists in this game. That's great. That's going to keep coming over and over again. I thought he had a lot more outside of that. And I still do. Like I, I still am holding strong that I believe there is more than that in Jeremy Fears right now. But I thought he struggled against Hillsdale at everything other than just running the transition offense and making the right pass. I expected mm-hmm. more in the half court. I expected him to be able to use his body and get to his spots and have some floater game. I thought he would finish at the rim better. I just thought he had all that. I've seen it before as a recruit, and maybe he wasn't forcing tonight. He didn't make bad decisions tonight. So, again, I'm not trying to say Jeremy Fears was bad. I just truly, based on my expectation, which was like, this kid could be Trey Burke 2.0, I thought I would see more. He got ripped by a couple of Hillsdale defenders. He missed a layup after driving through traffic against Hillsdale. I'm sh- I'm flat out shocked that he was disrupted once in this game by Hillsdale guards. Uh, am I being too critical of Jeremy Fierce? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just because, like you said, we hold him in such a high regard, and I did expect him – to show some things more offensively. And, and I, I tried on my watch, but I didn't watch the full game back, but I was watching like the Matthew loves uh, basketball channel, shortened, shortened condensed highlights. And I, I don't know what it is exactly. It just seemed like, I don't know, maybe like first game jitters or something like that. It just, just didn't seem all the way there for some reason. And I was trying to like make a, make an excuse. I don't know the words excuse or like think about why that was. And, you know, maybe it was him playing next to Trey Holland. Maybe that didn't really necessarily work for him because he seemed like more of a setup guy. And then Trey Holloman was a guy who was either shooting and or attacking off closeouts off of Jeremy fears, making decisions in the pick and roll. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did think that I expected him to be better in this game. And, that, and like you said, he didn't play bad. I'm not worried about Jeremy Fears. I, I don't think it, it'll it'll take something crazy for I think for us both to be worried about what he's going to do and what he's going to be. But you just but you didn't you didn't come away the, from that being like this kid would start anywhere. That, like that's the, our Discord. No, no, no. Like this guy's no. a starter on every other Big Ten team. I'm like I came away from this game being like it's a blessing for everyone involved that he's the backup because 
I, I think he needs yeah. like my read is he needs time after seeing yesterday. And I wasn't expecting yeah. that to be my read at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that yeah, that that's not what the takeaway I had from this game was not at all. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, just to frame that up, like it, it it's not a this or that, cause it doesn't have to be, they're both going to play, but I, from watching that game, I thought Trey Holloman was better than Jeremy Fierce in that game. I don't think I ever thought I would say that. <laughs> and that's hard for me to square because I, I thought Trey was good. I still don't think Trey's a guy that you're pointing to like that guy should start everywhere. I think he's a bench guard. And the fact that I'm coming away from this game being like I thought Trey was better for Michigan State than it's just – Again, they're good. These are the fourth and fifth guards on this team. This team is absurd. They're loaded in the backcourt. But uh, let's just slow slow the roll a little bit because I think it looks really, really good that Jeremy Fears can be the bench guy on this team. I think that's a good thing for everyone involved. Uh, Jay Nakins, did he spend a minute on the ball in this game? Uh, he did. He did for a couple. Yeah, he did for a little bit. Yeah. He did? Yeah. Did I miss that? I think you did, yeah. Okay. I thought he was uh when he when he was on the court, he was the third guard and they were running Trey Holloman at point. No, he 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 was on the ball actually for a good amount of time. You gotta send me the the segment of this game then. I must have <laughs> something happened where I didn't see that. Um yeah. yeah, I just I I mean Akins is Akins. We know he's very, very good. Uh zero assists. One turnover from Akins. Uh, not exactly seeing the expanded on-ball role that uh, we thought. Uh, might I, I will. I will tell you what, Gregory. Watch this game back, or watch back to those ball highlights. There were some passes made by Akins that were just misses by other guys. He had like some drives and like swung to the corner. One to Tyson oh. in particular, where Tyson was wide open. Tyson uh-huh. missed it. Yeah, we got it back. And actually, Jay Nakins hit a three right after that. Uh, he made some pretty nice passes, actually. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of just, I hate you. He I did. You. I, really I do. dog. I, I like. I'm not criticizing his passes. He had some fantastic passes in this game. I'm saying like we we were promised the whole point of him coming back was he was going to have an expanded role. He didn't have that role, which is why I said all summer, if you want to get to the league and you need to be on ball, why are you doing this to yourself? Like that's if you're not getting an expanded role against Hillsdale, is he really is he ever getting an expanded role? I don't think so. And I promise I'll stop talking about it because I know Michigan State fans will just hate me for saying it, but it's pretty damn true that's what's happening here. Like he's never going to be on the ball until these guards leave. Um, okay, I mean, I mean, what second most shots on the team? That's not what people told them they need to see. Like he's, he's, that's the whole point. He can be great. He's just going to be great in the same role. That's not getting him to the league. It is what it is. Like but in, with that said, y'all better not tell me all. Don't spend all season being like Aikens is gone. Where the hell is he going? He's going to start the one more year. Chance. Start the one more year chance right now. Get this guy on ball next year. We need to see it. Fears and Aikens. Final question. Michigan state finished fourth in everybody's preseason polls. Should they be higher, lower, or just right based on what you saw? Just right. Okay. I'd move them up. Really? I'd move them up. Who are you moving back? Kansas? I'm going to move Kansas back. I'm going to move Michigan State up to three in my personal poll right now. So uh, Purdue, Duke, Michigan State? Purdue one, Duke two, Michigan State three. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll leave them where they're at right now. I think that 
this would make for a good discussion on Monday, though, because we got Purdue, Arkansas Saturday and and Michigan State, Tennessee Sunday and Kansas, Illinois Sunday. Might just be me dreading it myself, but I'm starting to get the feel Purdue might just get smacked out of nowhere in the first game. I'm worried about That'd it. That'd be special. All right. So topic number two. You came up with this one. You want to tee this up? Big 10 most important player? Yeah, yeah. So we were talking about like one question maybe with Big Ten teams and it the random idea popped into my head is going team by team in the Big Ten and naming who the most important player on the team is. Like this is not the best player. This is not the worst player. This is not anything. This is the most important player that will directly flip whether a team is successful or not successful. I like this. I like this a lot. All right, I have the teams listed out. You want me to kind of moderate here, and then you go first, I'll go second? It's probably better that you moderate teams. Before we do this, let's both play a quick over-under. How many teams will we say the same player for? Six. That's where I'm at, too. Let's let's call it six and a half. And if we get to seven, if we have the same player for over half the teams, then we should be feeling really, really good about this. Okay. okay. Team number one, are Illinois fighting Illini? Who is the most important player? Most important player for I, Illinois? I almost had a I almost had a last second thought about changing it, but I'm not going to change it. Um it's it's Coleman Hawkins. Okay, not my answer. Marcus Damask is my answer. Why is it Coleman? I just think that Coleman's what he can do offensively and defensively and him making strides, especially in decision-making and shot selection, I think raise, raises the floor of this team. And I and I think there's going to be a time where people might think it's Ty Rogers. It's not Ty Rogers. I don't think Ty Rogers' play is going to be that important to this team because they can move off of him if they need to as far as point guard. Uh, I like the Damas shout, but I think I'm going Coleman Hawkins. I think what he can do offensively and defensively can really raise the floor of this team. Okay, yeah, I thought I was going to maybe say Ty. It was between Ty, Harmon, and Damask for me. But my qualifier here is I think you have to be good in order to be the most important. So that's how I landed on Marcus Damask. Uh, I think he is the best player of those three. And... Yeah, no, I, I don't hate the Coleman shout, I guess, but I think my my stance on Coleman currently right now is he is what he is. I think him and Terrence Shannon are what they are. I don't think there is much of a leap coming for either of those guys. I don't think Terrence Shannon is going to be like a first-team All-American. I don't think Coleman Hawkins is going to go from like 9-5 and five to 15-7. and seven. I just, I, I maybe I'm wrong. I think if Illinois is better this year, it's going to come from somebody around those guys. And I do think Damask could potentially be that. He had eight and six in their first game, and everybody seemed very impressed with that. If he averages eight and six this season, I think Illinois will be very bad. So eight, eight, eight six, and six. Eight, six, and six. You're right. They shouldn't forget the six. But I think, weirdly, I think they need more from Damask. If they're going to be ahead of where they were a year ago, he can't score eight points in games, hmm. uh, even if he is getting six assists. Moving to team number two, who is the most important player on Indiana? A Kaloa. Where? We're gonna go way under six here. Mine is Xavier Johnson. I, Why see, I think Xavier. I I think Xavier Johnson is what he is. I do too, but 
couldn't he be what he is in a backcourt that lost Jalen Huchifino and just be asked to do way more? And by default, that looks different. Because that's, I feel yeah. like Indiana has staked their whole season on Xavier Johnson is good. Like it's gonna, his play is gonna be what decides what they are to me. Like if, if Kalel wears bad, okay, play Renault and Abaco if he's not in jail. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just feel like if Kalel where does what he does against folding chairs, like it's, it's going to be scenes and there's no one that could check him in the big time. Okay. I like that. I strongly disagree that that's the most important player on Indiana. <laughs> I like the call out. <laughs> we are going way under. We're going way under team number three, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Who's their most important player. I think, I think, I'm sorry. I also feel like you're changing your answers now to try to match mine. Am I wrong on that? No, I promise I won't. But I now it's in my head that we're not going to be the same. I said Tony Perkins. <laughs> it's paying Sanford for me. Why is it? Why is it Tony Perkins for you? <laughs> because if Tony Perkins is what you think he is, <laughs> Iowa has a chance to be good and be like this high usage. He's the next high usage great player. Uh, my second player would have been uh, McCaffrey, but I went with Tony Perkins because I think like he's going to be the one they prop up as the high usage, do it all guy. And like you have tried to tell me before, P- Perkins can be that guy. I I don't see it, but I think he can be that guy. He's so I guy. I think he can be that guy, and I think he will be that guy. But to me, like I I don't view that as important almost because I just I'm penciling in whoever Fran decides is his first option being great. But that, like, they've had great players in that role before, and it hasn't meant they're a great team. You know what I mean? So, to me, I'm I'm more concerned for Iowa basketball, who is the Robin to the Batman. The Batman's going to be Batman. It, like, we we got Fran. He's the a Fran offense first option is good. We don't got to worry about that. We do got to worry about what does Peyton Sanford look like. Is he the same guy last year that shot 34% from three? Or is he a 15-a-game scorer and now they have this two-headed monster? Like, that's that's where I'm framing it. Um, I would not put Pat Calf even in the conversation, like no offense, but um, given his whole career and his struggles with mental health, like I'd, I don't think it's fair to expect or even ask much more and say he's that pivotal to this team season. I think it really comes down to Perkins and Sanford, and we just pick each other's guy. Sanford will be... Peyton Sanford will be the worst Sanford on Iowa this year. That's an insane take. You really like Price? No, I just I, <laughs> I think people need to start having a long look at what Peyton Sanford actually is. I think Michigan and Michigan State fans look at him a lot differently than other fans look at him. I think you're right on that part, but I think that's a take just to have a take, that he's not the best Sanford brother on this team. Come on, dog. Uh, okay, let, let's move on. Maryland. Who is the most important player on Maryland? Can you say yours first? Please no, tell me. I'm always right. saying yours. I have them listed right here. I can see them. I have Dante Scott. <laughs> we might not get one. I have Deshaun Harris Smith. Why is Dante Scott so important for this team? <laughs> why why is their Harris- why is their fourth option big who has just been nine a game his whole career? Their most important player. <laughs> because I'm penciling in Reese, Jameer Young, and Sean Harris-Smith as being good. 
Okay. Like I think they're I think they're gonna be good. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a chance any of those guys are bad, to be honest with you. But there's a chance that Don there's a chance that Dante Stott continues on the path and that the fact that he's got worse every single year. Wouldn't if Kaiser he, then though, if you're going that route, the other three are good. Wouldn't Kaiser be the most important? I had Kaiser at first and I switched to Scott. Okay. I thought about Kaiser. I just I, I think it's whichever one of the freshmen you think is the bigger needle mover. Because young is what he is. I think Reese and Scott are what they are. That's a good team okay. as is. It's it's like is one of these two a superstar or not is what decides Maryland yeah. season. If, if if I was going freshman, I would have went Kaiser. Okay, you just you're you're rock solid that Harris Smith is going to be that good. Mm-hmm. If that's true, then he's their most important guy, though. <laughs> like I, I know he's going to be good. Okay, but this isn't most. I guess this isn't like biggest question mark. This is like what's most important. Like if if Harris Smith is as good as you think he is, then he's their most important guy. Did I just do this exercise completely wrong? <laughs> I don't know, man. Let's go to team number five, Michigan. My Wolverines. Who is the most important player on Michigan? Doug. This, yeah, this is a layup. Thank you, Doug McDaniel. Doug. That's one. I would have been really mad if you didn't say Doug McDaniel. All right. Uh, do we need to talk about that at all? I mean, he's he's alone in the backcourt. He's their everything. Yeah, he's the do it all, do it all point guard. Okay, so we're we're one for four. Still, a slight chance we backdoor cover this. Who is the most important player on Michigan State? This is the hardest one. This is the hardest one on the list by far. It was. I went. I said Tyson Walker. Okay. This might be the first one that you gave a better answer than I gave. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I think it's Tyson Walker. I think they're. You know, Tyson's going to be great. I'm not mad. At, I'm not upset that Tyson's going to be great. But there's a lot of pressure on Tyson to be good. Because we don't know what the other guy like. The reason why, and I know you pointed out that Michigan State lost 13 games last year, but the reason why they were so good and the year before, because, and the year before, and the year and before, the year before. T- I, God damn it, Gregory Tyson and Joey were so consistent throughout the whole year that the fact that shortcomings with other players or other players not having to step up didn't necessarily matter. Like if Tyson, let's say, goes through a rough patch or goes through some tough times or something like that, it's a scary, scary proposition to be like, okay, AJ Hogarth has to be the guy to step up or shit. Even Jay Nakins has to be the guy to step up. So I think it's very important that Tyson Walker is the all-American level type player he can be. Okay, I like that argument. Uh, First off, I love that you're manufacturing adversity for your best player. First of all, like if he goes through some tough times, uh, <laughs> second, if he did go through some tough times, it would be AJ Hogard. Then it would be Trey Holloman. Then it would be Jeremy fears. Then it would be Malik Hall. Then it would be Jade Nakins. Who's asked to pick up the burden. They really trust. They just don't, they, they don't give Jay Nakins much leash. Uh, I, I think I should change my answer, but I'm not going to. My answer was Carson Cooper. Based on everything you said, I would like to change my answer to AJ Hogard because I think Tyson is what he is. He's a fringe All-American. That's great. Like him being uh, back to the conversation from weeks ago. If he averages 17 a game or 15 a game, it doesn't matter. That's the same to me. If AJ Hogard took a leap, that would change everything for this team. But again, I test through one game. He's the same guy. But AJ could be a leap guy. Uh, my original answer was Carson Cooper, though, because th- this got totally switched after the first, whatever you call it, exhibition game. 
Um, I, I just finally see it. I feel like my eyes have been opened. I see a ceiling that this team hasn't had at center in years. I mean, like, I guess Marcus Bingham had a ceiling, but even his ceiling was limited by his lungs. I see the ceiling now. I see like, oh, wait, we might not have to play Mati Sissoko all game. Um, so I don't I don't want to fully buy the stock yet. I'm still, I'm holding, although I've never had it. So I don't know if I can hold it. But I guess if Carson Cooper was just a really good center, this team is like number one in the country good, not number four in the country good. So that's my Yeah, answer. just something didn't sit right with me about me saying the most important player yeah. to my team is Carson Cooper. It just didn't, it didn't sit right with me. It feels really wrong. I should have picked AJ Hogard for that. Let's move on to Minnesota. We are we are one for seven. No, we're one for six right now. This is our seventh. Who's Minnesota's most important? I player? didn't. I didn't pick a player from Minnesota. I mean, that's a layup for us to try to get on the board for going over six. I mean, it'd be Cam Christie. It's Pharrell Payne. He's the only good player on Minnesota. Like, could Pharrell Payne be a first-team All Big Ten guy? Yes or no? That's all Maybe. that for Minnesota. That's okay. but I also I I literally did not pick a Minnesota player. Okay, let's move. Do you know who Pharrell Payne is? Yeah, the center. <laughs> Can you tell me anything else about him? He's really good. He's from Minnesota. I know that. Uh, the Carter Elliott trope. <laughs> if, if you know anything, you know where they're from. <laughs> one yeah, for he's good. One for seven. Did you pick a player for Nebraska? Yes, I did. Who's the most important player on Nebraska basketball? Demarcus Lawrence. It's it's obviously Tominago. Why is it Demarcus Lawrence? Because Kise needs a needs a sidekick. Okay, and you think it's Demarcus Lawrence? I do. Shout out to my guy Michael Peterson. He put me on this guy. He sent me his name, and then I started like actually diving into it and watching what this dude did. He started playing last year when I don't want to mispronounce his name, but Bomadell got hurt. And like when he played and played major minutes, he was like a double digit scorer for this team. And he played really, really well. Uh, a Jersey kid, I, I believe he went to Roselle Catholic, so a really good high school program as well. Uh, I really like him. Uh, and I, for some reason, I didn't notice what he did. Uh, he had a pretty good game against Michigan State, actually, when we played um, at Nebraska. But I think like him stepping up as Kisei's running mate could lead to this being a more successful team. Okay. Uh, yeah. Despise that answer. Uh, the, Nebraska is just Kisei Tominaga to me. No offense, but the, the only thing that matters for that team is can he score 30 a game instead of 17 a game? One for yeah. eight. We move on Northwestern. And if you, I swear to God, I want to kill this segment. If you try and tell me Brooks Barnheiser is the most important player on this team. It's Budarius, it's Budarius, man. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So, okay, <laughs> we've we've reached a point of clarity where if it's a team who has nothing except for one guard who's going to be on the ball, then we can agree that that's the most important player. We have Doug and we have Boo. Uh, yeah, Boo's, Boo might be the most important player in the conference. Maybe the country. I'm not kidding. That's high bar, but he can do it. Who's the most important player on your Ohio State Buckeyes? I want to get this right. All right, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change it. It's still Bruce Thornton. If you changed it, who would you have changed it to? I probably would have changed it to either Middleton. I probably Middleton. 
Okay. Yeah. This is the other than the Michigan State Carson Cooper answer. This is the only other one I didn't feel great about. My answer is Jamison Battle. Uh, here's why. Mm, I'd say okay. I like your I like your answer. So I think that Bruce Thornton, while very good, I think that Bruce Thornton is what he is. And I don't think there is gonna be much of like a this guy becomes a three-level facilitator, like a, a, a an all-around point guard. Bruce Thornton is a bucket. He's came straight out of the Bryce Sensabaugh school of just a bucket. And there's nothing wrong with that on this team because Ohio State needs someone to be the bucket and they have more pieces around them to step up and guard the way last year's team didn't. You can play one guy who's just a bucket. You can't play two guys who are just a bucket. Uh, Jamison Battle, to me, is a guy that has been first-team All-Big Ten before. Or if not, if he wasn't first team, he was very close. He's been all Big Ten before at Minnesota, and mm-hmm. from that first scrimmage, like I, it's causing me to reevaluate everything I think about Ohio State because I think Jamison Battle in the Ohio State Chris Holtman offense, which has been so good for wings, could end up being, if not the best wing in this conference, one of them immediately. Like he's not going to match Terrence Shannon, but he could be right behind him. So. Uh, to me, I'm starting to flip more of like what can battle do for this team more so than I am. Bruce Thornton needs to be an All-American for this team to be good. Yeah, I like that. I like the Jameson battle pick a lot. I think I would I would if I could go back and change that actually would be who I would go for. So we're two for 10. We need to nail the last four to push on the over under of six. I think we can do it, though. Looking at the teams, I think we can do it. Who's the most important player on Penn State? Ace Baldwin. Ace Baldwin. Once again, teams that have nothing but a dominant point guard. We're pretty good at this. Who's the most important player on Purdue? I said Fletch. Oh, okay. We're dead. I said Braden. Damn it. I think it's Braden. I think it's Braden. Why do you think it's Fletch? Uh, you know what? I really think if we redid this again, I did like this criteria, <laughs> like we spoke on a criteria before. I, I, I just have no doubts that Braden's going to be good. I have zero doubts. He's going to be good. And honestly, when I say zero doubts, he's going to be good. I have zero doubts. He's going to be better this season either. Like I'm, I feel very confident in saying that if they can get what they got from Fletch to start the season last year, then you're going to, you're going to see just how good this team can really be. So I'm with you on the zero doubts. The reason I would stick with Braden over Fletch is because I think even if Fletcher is 100 out of 100 good, if he's the best case version of himself, I don't think it is needle moving compared to what Braden's going to be asked to do. Like Fletch, Fletch could shoot 45% from three this year. And at all times, he's going to be the third most important player on the floor for Purdue. Braden Smith being what you and I both feel very confident he is, is what would take Purdue from the team they were last year to even better. Like if Braden Smith has the jump, everybody thinks Tyrese Proctor is going to make all of a sudden this team is no question the best team in the country, regardless of what Fletcher lawyer is doing. So uh, I can see why you went Fletch though, but yeah, my answer is Braden. So we have three, correct two remaining. Let's at least make this respectable. Who's the most important player on Rutgers? I, I said it's Derek Simpson. It's Derek Simpson. Yeah, it's Derek Simpson. Okay. They need his offense desperately. I don't know what else yeah. they're going to do. It could be Griffiths too, but I think so. I, yeah, I got I got scared you're going to go Griffiths there. I think Simpson's the correct answer. All right, and then final one. 
It would have been fine. I wish we had nailed Braden because we would have had this to tie. Who's I'm the sorry. most important player on Wisconsin? <laughs> uh, it's 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 Chucky Hepburn. Chucky, man, we were right there. We almost nailed the run at the end. That's yeah. on me, but it was one of the earlier ones that killed me. I'm not even mad about the Purdue one. I'm I'm upset about the other ones though. It's gross for Wisconsin that Chucky Hepburn's their most important player. Yeah. And Greg Gard just came out the other day and said that he shed 15 pounds. That's all awful. Look, he's cooked. They're cooked. Greg Gard shed 15 pounds or Chucky Hepburn did? Chucky Hepburn. Oh, I thought we were saying Greg Gard lost 15, and that means they're cooked. No. Can I drop a name for you? I thought about picking this guy, but uh, I stayed away for it for the sake of trying to win the game with you. I think the second most important player in Wisconsin this year is Nolan Winter. The big man, right? Yeah, freshman. He like exploded onto the scene in the uh, scrimmage and was really good. And Greg Gard keeps like mentioning him in press conferences right now. He keeps telling the media he's like his seventh guy as a freshman. Um, I think the kid's six ten. Like he's hitting threes. I think like if he can cut like it. it, it, it... You think he's important even like over because they have crowds though? I think he could cut in and take a lot of Tyler Wall's empty minutes. And I know that crushes your spirit, but um, how dare you? I think if this freshman kid is like Tyler Wall with a jump shot and rim protection immediately, I'm like, whoa, now I'm taking Wisconsin seriously. Okay, I don't want Nolan Winter to play then because I don't <laughs> want to live in a world where I podcast with you every single day in a world where we're taking Wisconsin seriously. You just know it. It's dreadful to know that we're gonna have to deal with four years of this kid Nolan Winter, though. Like, if he's good, like we're just we're stuck with four years of this kid in Madison, Wisconsin. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute. There's this. This is this is a big. This is a factor on where Wisconsin basketball is gonna go in the next couple of years. Hold on one second. Okay. Nolan Winters from Minnesota. I like that. Yeah. He's that's big for them, but that's also doesn't that I don't know if that also tracks with the fact that he might stay there all four years. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Remains to be seen. Okay. Why do you think that? The the the, the, the I, I don't know. Just the fact that I well, honestly, the fact that I saw he's from Minnesota, I immediately got Luca Garza flashbacks. Actually, no, no, I didn't. Sorry, Luca Garza is from Demath. He's from the DMV. But him being from Minnesota, me and not going to Minnesota in my eyes means he's really good. So that's huge. That's true. Players that are from Minnesota that leave Minnesota to play are good real good okay noted i've jotted that down in my notebook fun exercise we failed what else is new let's move to uh, our list guy guy is back with his top 10 coaching hires uh shout out to guy first of all because we pivoted on yesterday's episode without giving him much of a heads up he told us he had a busy week and here we are with a brand new list the guy cooked up so that's uh him coming through clutch you could say that's us saying hey balls in your hands kid make a play 20 seconds on the clock what are you going to do with it guy walks right out crossed his man up faked like he was going to hit a step back three and then double cross got into the lane hit a floater i absolutely love it uh coaching hires the 10 best hires in the country from this season Number one, Micah Shrewsbury. 
at Notre Dame. Number two, Rick Pitino below Shrews. Number three, Grant McCaslin. Number four, Mark Madsen. Number five, Ed Cooley. Number six, Mike Rhodes. Number seven, Red Autry. Number eight, Kim English. Number nine, Ryan Odom. And number 10, Paul Mills at Wichita State. Then our honorable mentions are Abdur Rahim at South Florida, Stoudemire at Georgia Tech, and Will Wade at McNeese State. Shrew at one. Do you endorse this message? I love oh, I love Shrew at one. I love Shrew at one. Um, honestly, very the most intrigued coach I am. I'm actually very interested to see what this new era of Syracuse looks like with Autry at the helm. I do think he has some tools. I mean, we've mentioned on this podcast many a times what we think Judah Mintz and J.J. Starling can do. So I'm very intrigued to see where that team goes. Uh, wasn't the biggest Mark Madsen just like believer, but the minute he got the Cal, he just went in the transfer portal and started going crazy. So I respect that from a team that has won like under 10 games the past couple of years. Uh, the I I know I mentioned this before, but again, the the Patino just living off of the old days to me. I'm sorry. I I get like he should be on this list, but should he be two? Uh I think he has to be two. Why, why shouldn't Ed Cooley be ahead of Rick Patino? Because Rick Patino did no, what he did at Louisville no, 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 like, no, because like 30 years ago. What has Ed Cooley ever done? Made Providence great again? I don't even want to do this because I like Ed Cooley a lot. Has Ed Cooley ever done anything? Won the Big East? He won the Big East? Yeah. Did they actually? I need a fact check on this. I, I'm pretty sure that team with like Chris Dunn, Ben Bentil. I needed I needed fact check. LaDante Henton. I need a fact check on this. I don't buy this. I don't buy this. My read is that every Ed Cooley team ever has been middle of the pack or worse. Okay, they won the Big East two years ago. I had no idea that team actually won the the year where they just outperformed Ken Palm constantly. I think that's his only Big East win. I'm really? going back. I'm going back. A bunch of third, third, fourth, fourth, third. Yeah, he's never won the Big East before this since he took over. That's also pretty. Those are pretty impressive finishes in the Big East. Ah, ah. Ed I mean that Cooley, that that's 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 where that's where Patino that's where they want Patino to get St. John's. Cooley's done that in twelve years at Providence. How many years has an Ed Cooley team finished in the top twenty-five AP poll? Just in the poll, out of twelve seasons, how many times has Ed Cooley's team been a top twenty-five team at the end of the regular season? Eight. One. Huh? His teams are not good ever. He's had in 2022, that was his first good team. And by all advanced metrics, that team was just winning close games that they should have been like a 13 loss team. Are you talking about AP poll or or Ken Palm? AP poll. Ed Cooley has never finished the season with a top 25 team outside of two, two seasons ago. Really? This is true. I've got it on uh, basketball reference right now. Like, which Matt, like if you go through his teams, here's his records by year for Ed Cooley. 
uh, since he took over Providence, 15 and 17, 19 and 15, 23 and 12, 22 and 12, 24 and 11, 20 and 13, 21 and 14, 18 and 16, 19 and 12, 13 and 13. Then all of a sudden he went 27 and six with the team that won every close game they played. Then 21 and 12 again. Like the guy, his teams aren't bad. Don't get me wrong. They're not bad, but he's a bubble team every year. He's a big East margin. I don't even know because the Big East is good. I just like like are we saying like just, why why is Rick Patino ahead of Ed Cooley? Really? <laughs> yeah, man. I just God damn. Like he those Louisville teams were really, really good. He cheated and he got those teams and he won with them. Good for him. Hey, are we an anti-cheating podcast? Yes. God, man. Right. I'm, I'm just saying. It. Remember this moment, clip it, because you can put it on freezing cold takes when it actually comes about. The next five to ten years, this is going to be Rick Pitino at St. John's. All right. All right. T-Mac on the Hawks. Uh, Pacing that farewell tour. I think if you were going to argue for anybody that's not Patino or Shrew on this list, I like McCaslin. I think he belongs at three. I think you could talk me into him being one or two, honestly. Um Outside of that, I think this was a pretty uninspiring coaching what carousel, whatever you call it this year. Like I don't I don't think any of these guys below the McCaslin level are gonna end up at like a a prestigious like Duke one day and be running a great program. You don't think you don't think Shrews will be at a what did you say outside of Shrews or did outside you say of too? outside of the top I think Shrews, Patino, and McCaslin are all guys that have like Kentucky job ceiling if everything hits. I think everybody else, like, I don't know that they go beyond where they're at right now. Not even not even Will Wade. <laughs> I never doubt Will Wade. That's what I'm saying. All right. Any final thoughts on the coaching hires list? I feel like good list. God, it's a good list for sure. Carrying the torch for yeah, Shrew. We'll always do that. I got a little PTSD seeing Damon Stoudemire's name on this list. Given, how, given what Michigan State's been through. How many years until Shrews has Notre Dame in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament? Hmm. Probably two to three. I'm going to say three. But I think that's good. Like I, Shrews is on the come up. We believe it. Keep being plump, my plump king. If you're a point guard with a big butt, go to Notre Dame. Sorry, that felt wrong. You also kind of just described me. <laughs> One big thing presented by Bigby. Uh, Cart, I love you, man. Good vibes today. What's your one big thing? Uh, I'm kind of mad because I ruined my one big thing when I explained the washing of the fruit. I truly want everyone who listens to this episode to go out and the next time you eat fruit, wash it, taste it. And tell me just how much better it tastes when you actually wash your fruit. And make sure you use the cold water and the baking soda. Wash it. Caress it a couple times. Jesus. And then strain it. And it'll it'll taste so much better. I promise you. All right. Uh, just a lot of caressing from you today. Lovely. Thanks. Caress it. Stop. Stop it. My one big thing is, uh, I, like I said, I went to the gym the actual gym for the first time in a couple months amidst my workout phase. I forgot how much listening to music at the gym hits differently than just listening to music elsewhere. So uh, yeah, pulled up, 
put on uh, for all the dogs first time in a gym setting and not just like in my living room or in the car, have a new appreciation for that album. Just wanted to say that. Has, has, has your favorite song on that album changed since the last time we spoke? Maybe after today's gym trial, but uh, prior to today, no. Prior to today, I've been very out on that album. Today, I'm like, wait a second. This is kind of going as I'm hitting mile two on the elliptical. I'm like, wait, wait hold on. Love but that. I think that's just the gym boost. Like, I think you could do that with pretty much any music and you get the gym boost, you know? Yeah, except Chance the Rapper, but yeah. You can't listen to Chance of the Gym? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on the elliptical. Yeah, love my wife. That's basically me. That's basically the story of my life <laughs> <laughs> right there. All right, good show today. Uh, I think we got a Riley Friday coming tomorrow. If not, I have a creative option for tomorrow's episode, regardless of if Riley is here or not. So that could be, that could mean anything. See how it goes. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you later.